2: I'm Annie. And I'm Leah. And this is Lactation Business Coaching with Annie and Leah, where we talk about the smart way to create a compassionate and professional private practice.
3: Let's dive in. Well, hey there, Leah. Hey, Annie. How are you? I am great. How are you? Doing good. Made it through the first part of the holidays, so I'm feeling like, okay, now we're in the homestretch for the second part of the holidays and into the new year. So making it through Thanksgiving is always a feat.
2: (laughs) It's such a wild time of year and it's birthday season for my family also. And my husband and I celebrate our wedding anniversary in December. So it always feels like such a wild ride, but we started our holiday season with the flu. And it was so funny because we're like, well, it could be a lot of things, but the one thing we know it isn't is we know it's not COVID because we took about a hundred thousand COVID tests at home because my kids bring them home from school in like cartons. They just oh hand them gosh. out like hand them out like nipple shields in the hospital <laughs> at the New York City
3: public schools. So, oh my gosh, that's so funny. It's weird now because I'm like, they need to start making those for all like flu and RSV. I know. It'd be so nice if we had those all at home, and then we would know like okay, we need to you know be more careful. I've got the flu or whatever. Crazy how we have those for COVID and they're so everywhere. So now we know that that's possible. So come on, you know, big pharma, make that happen.
2: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I was totally wishing for a flu test because like we say we had the flu, we think we had the flu, but we didn't go to the doctor for it. We just waited it out. Nobody was that sick. So boy, that knocks you down. To know it really does. And you can hear my voice is still a little gravelly and it's been two weeks. And I'm still like dealing with things, but I wear my mask, I wash my hands, I do all the things to keep the family safe. So
3: that's all, all you can do. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm excited about our talk today because we're talking about how the client basically has a journey through our private practice as they work with us and I think this is such a fun topic because sometimes if you're just starting to think about being in private practice, you might not be thinking about all the aspects and how the whole journey might unfold. So it's a fun topic. And for you and I, this is something just, you know, every day, this is what we do. But for people that are just curious about private practice or just getting started out, I think this information will be really handy.
2: I agree. I love this topic because... Well, first of all, I love the idea of a journey or a story. And that's just the storyteller in me. I just love thinking about the different shifts and changes and moments throughout my relationship with my clients, especially with the pleasure of being able to work with so many of them over multiple visits and across time. That has been so wonderful. It's something that we kind of had At least I had when I was a La League leader. You know, you have people come every week, and you really get to hear their story and you get to see how things unfold. And then when I started private practice, I was like, "Oh, they only see me one time because that's all they can afford." And then you're like missing so much of the picture. So when I switched to taking insurance, and it got me back, it's like, you know what? I'll put up with the heartaches of insurance for the joy of getting to support families across multiple sessions.
3: I do think it's so powerful and it actually, one thing that I feel it's so valuable in is actually honing my skills too. Not only do I get to support the family, you know, over time, but you really get to see the outcomes unfold and see what strategies are connecting for what people, what's not connecting for what people. I really feel like it's such a beautiful way to hone your skills because you get to see how things unfold with the strategies you might be giving information on and helping parents, you know, create. It's like, okay, this didn't seem to go so well. Why is that? You know, really getting to like pick through, okay, this mom was feeling really stressed with this strategy. Okay, maybe I could come up with some other ideas. You know, it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's made me really focused on my skills. I totally agree about
2: honing skills and just really kind of getting a chance to experiment and try things because, you know, you'll get feedback the next week or two weeks later or a month later, depending on how you're seeing them. And I think a big part of the challenge, you know, really of managing these cases and looking at the journey across time is that what the client is imagining or wanting you know, we have to manage those expectations about what our role is and how we can best support them. And, you know, some of them come to us, you know, there's a range, you know, we have some that are completely skeptical and they're not sure that we can help them at all because they're like, not sure that, you know, maybe they've been told breastfeeding is natural and, you just just should do it, Mama, and you know all yeah. of those messages that are out there. And then on the other extreme, we have the people that expect us to have that magic wand that I'm still still looking for. Yeah, on my it's on my wish list for the holidays. If anybody's shopping for me, I want that lactation magic wand. We have to figure that out with them, you know, starting with scheduling and. That is a big piece of it. It's such a big thing for them to come for that first visit. And they have a lot of bringing a lot of high expectations and to really establish right off the bat that for the most part, any situation really does best with at least two, at least two, like, let's try this and check in in a week. And so helping them see right off the bat that we are looking at making time in their schedule for a follow-up session with us, and also me making time in my schedule to make sure that I've got room and space to accommodate those existing clients.
3: How do you manage that scheduling piece, Leah? Yeah, well, I definitely try to limit the number of initial visits per week because I do really encourage follow-up visits, even for my non-insurance patients. And we actually keep the cost of follow-up visits. We try to keep it reasonable for the sheer sake of I know my outcomes are better when I can get those follow-ups in with the families. So it is really important for me that I can give my best service to them when they can have these multiple visits. So from a financial perspective, but also from scheduling perspective, I really am conscientious of taking on too many initial visits per week because I know I'm going to need to have space for those follow-ups the next week. And my scheduler is really conscientious of this too. And she knows that most of my clients are going to have a follow-up visit. Like it's just a rare instance where we won't meet more than once. So my admin definitely is aware of that. And then the other piece of it is, you know, those setting expectations, it could be some wording and language on a web on your website about, you know, this is how your journey with us is going to go. I think that's really helpful, even in the booking section to actually say like, most clients benefit from more than one visit, we'll discuss your needs during the initial visit. But even having that language there from the get go, I think really gets their head around like, the time and financial investment that will be there, but will give them the best chance for the outcomes that they desire. And I also think talking about it in the visit, you know, I'll definitely be talking about, okay, when we follow up, we're going to go through these things. So today we're going to focus on this. And then when we follow up, we're going to focus on this. And we're going to be checking in about this and, you know, really helping them see the value in the follow-up so that they know this is what we can manage today. And this is what we're going to tackle next time or what assessment we're going to need at the next visit. And I think that by incorporating that and weaving it throughout the whole visit from really throughout their whole contact with you from the time they get on your website and look at the scheduling page to the entire time they're scheduling with you. And then also when you're visiting with them, weaving in this idea that yes, this will be necessary, these follow-up visits, I think it really helps them and they really see the value in it, you know, and they get the buy-in. They're like, yeah, I can see where that would be so helpful. And they desire it because they understand it, you know, and that's so valuable for them to see how valuable it is, you know, but you might not realize how valuable it is until somebody explains that to you.
2: Definitely. And along with that, what I like to do is I like to give them, I like to give them the tools like, okay, let's say you never saw me again. I do want my clients to have tools in their hands where they can manage things themselves for whatever outcome. And that might be the right decision for them. So I never want to feel like, never want any of my clients to feel like I'm withholding information to make them dependent on me or, or even that I'm like, Giving them information that makes them in a way that makes them dependent on me. I don't want my Mm, clients to feel dependent on me or to feel like our relationship is a requirement for them to live a bountiful life with (laughs) their baby. At the same time, like you said, I want them to understand like what I bring and how we do need to see some of these things kind of cook. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's some stuff you just can't figure out until you see it unfold. Yeah. And then I will come in and I will do X, Y, and Z and I will update the care plan and here's what that's going to look like. And, you know, you talked about pricing with your follow ups. I also do the same where I do discounted follow up because I want to encourage that and you know at the same time though i don't want to put myself in a position where i'm like oh, i don't want to do a follow up cuz i priced it too low <laughs> you right, know yeah. rather book one of those juicy initials so there is a balance there too but what i have done is i hold kind of firm for like visits 2 and 3 at the follow up price but then if we're looking at like a fourth visit often i'll be like listen i can come back for the you know if i know it's like it's just going to be a half an hour and i'm just, i'm already in the neighborhood i will do a discount for that I also have my office as an option, you know, come in for a weight check. Like I can discount that, you know, for my self pay clients. I really do try to be to not make it be just about the money as sure. well. And and help yeah. them to see that that I'm not in this for the money, but that I am in this to get paid. This is my job. I'm not yeah. here as Gotta you're paying my bills. <laughs> exactly.
3: And I do think it's so important to, you know, equip them with skills, but also, you know, it can be so overwhelming to try to give every bit of information that you're ever going to need for your lactation journey in one visit and I try to you know help them understand that like there's only so much I can teach you in one 2 hour period and I will overwhelm your brain and you'll leave here burned out already because the idea of like all these upcoming steps so I think like you said it's so good to really equip them but also help them see you know, how not to get overwhelmed in the lactation physics. I know, like you said early on, you know, when we were thinking, okay, I got to get everything done. in this one visit because I don't want to burden them with a the second visit, you know? And then it was like, oh, wait, these poor parents are so overwhelmed because I'm trying to map out the next, you know, month of care in one visit, you know, like, okay, if this happens, do this. If that happens, do this, you know? I mean, it's just, it's definitely overwhelming. So I think we can definitely, these setting expectations and being really open with them and helping them understand. And then if there is some, you know, like I can't only do one visit, you know, either working with them like you're talking about or, you know, making sure they have resources and set them up for managing some of that themselves. You know, I mean, I just think this open communication about all aspects of your follow-up plan is so important. And that will also entail, you know, coordinating their care with referrals they might need and having those really good connections with those referral bases, I think is so important. But to help the client, you know, I guess this a little bit falls under setting expectations is to help the client understand that, like, I'm not a solo, like, Only me, and I'm going to solve all your lactation issues alone as one, you know, one party going to do it all. No, it's like this really, you know, community that we're going to come around this family. And it's rarely ever just me. It's, you know, oftentimes referring out. Is that the same for you?
2: Yeah, definitely. It's never just me. And I mean, that's also because I do take this very client centered approach, which is that. It's them and their support network. And I'm there to work, to build and strengthen their support network, because that's, what's going to carry them for the rest of their lives. Like I'm only in their life for a short period of time yeah, and they need to have what they need to really, you know, go forward. And so, you know, that could be, you know, really making sure that their pediatrician has good information and it's also about bringing other, you know, if they need a phrenotomy, if they need body work, if they need both, if there's another specialist that needs to be brought in, yeah. like Sometimes we're referring to a pediatric GI for digestive issues and making sure that my clients are getting the best of the best. And I'm giving them, I'm like, this is who I think you should be seeing. And we're actually doing in a couple weeks on December 19th we're doing a deeper dive into watchful waiting with Susan Howard who's in the IBCLC in Virginia and the idea of watchful waiting being that we're actively waiting for something to happen we don't have the answers right now we have to see how things play out and that also involves has a lot to do with these clients that have these complicated cases where you have a baby who is who needs body work and then probably needs to see, you know, have a tongue tie released and then it's going to need body work after it needs lactation support in there and the parent might need mental health support as well, you know, and you get sometimes get these cases. That, I mean, you know, you know, like the ones that really break your heart the most are a baby who can't latch and a parent who can't bring in a full milk supply. And you're like that only time and this watchful waiting can really negotiate that situation, but I don't want them to be alone. And I don't want to be the only person watching and waiting with them.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so important to have that kind of vantage point of watchful waiting and then communicating with the client that there's just only so much that we can figure out in this visit without time on our side to show us how things unfold, because so many of these things require time to see what is going to come of both our interventions, but also just like natural biological processes, you know, so it's definitely so helpful to have that. And I love the terminology around that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, I work with clients, I know you have them too, where I'm identifying that this baby meets all the requirements for a specialist referral for tongue tie, you know, and I'm using my screening tools and I see all these things and I communicate it to the family and they don't want to act on that. You know, the baby has tension that is visible. And sometimes even the parents can see it. A lot of times they can is what I find is that they they're like, Oh, yeah, I totally noticed that about my baby. And so we do need to give them this vocabulary to say, listen, the decision of what you're going to do with your body and your baby is up to you. It's not up to me. I'm here to support you. Regardless of, you know, whatever path you take, I'm here for you. Here are the things that I'm we're watching together. And these are the signs that, you know, I just want you to see what we're looking at and that they can be empowered to say, okay, yeah, we did decide to wait and see, but now we've waited and I see what you're talking about and yes, let's move forward. And it's hard. It's hard because I, I want to go in and I want to like, kind of want to tell them what to do, but I can't (laughs) tell them what to do. That's not my
3: role. Not my body, not my baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I know that's really challenging. I have seen it go so many different ways the way I thought it was going to go and then it doesn't go that way and the way unexpectedly goes, you know? So it's like we also have to remember that we we don't have the crystal ball either and sometimes that tincture of time really helps us see how things unfold and help guide us. And I think, you know, like one of the beautiful things about being in private practice and getting to have this, you know, like we were talking about getting to see these different outcomes kind of unfold in front of us is that we can be there and continue support and shift the way we support based on these different, you know, ways that things are unfolding and the outcomes that are developing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And because it's the outcome that, we don't know. We never know the outcome. And there are different types of outcomes that we're looking at. And they they require different kinds of approaches to closure. So, you know, you see the outcomes where you're like, you actually get to be there for it, where you yeah. get that nice like, you graduated. There's yes, I love thing. those. And those are great, obviously. And the more I'm in, you know, the more I do this and the more skilled I get and confident I get the more of those kinds of outcomes I do get a chance to see and a lot of that is just being confident in saying we're going to need multiple visits for this. But, you know, we also have those outcomes where we're like things didn't go the way the client wanted them to, things didn't necessarily go the way we hope they would do. You know, you try the let's try these strategies to increase your milk supply. It didn't come up. Yeah. And we tried all the things and you know, biology just came in and said, nah.
3: (laughs) I know. And it's so hard to manage that, you know, because everybody had their hopes set on a different outcome and it's taken a lot of skill and counseling skills and communication skills for me to like, feel like I can give good support through that too. You know, it's just, you get really caught up in, like, why isn't this working? You know, you're like as frustrated as the family is. But I feel like it's taken a long time. We should do a, a whole episode on that. Like, how to talk to families when things aren't going the way that they were supposed to go, or that not the write way it goes, the I'll way I know down. somebody write that down, or the way they wanted them to go, or they hoped them to go, because that language can be a turning point in their parenting journey of course we're mindful not saying anything about failure but there's a lot of other things that we could say in that moment that could really shift the way the parent relates with their baby and their body and i think that's just so important to keep honing those skills because it it's you know it's been something that has evolved for me over a lot of time. And I feel confident now that even when biology doesn't cooperate with our best laid plans, I feel like I can give good support through that and really help the client have either closure on their journey or shift their expectation of their journey or help them find new ways to relate to the journey that they had, you know, or they're having. But then there's those outcomes where, there might be the client that you never hear from again. Those are the ones that like make me sit around and go, I wonder what happened, you know? And then a few times it has come back around where I'll see them out somewhere, you know, like at a, at a birth fair, you know, something and they're like, Oh my gosh, you were so helpful. And, I'm sitting over here the whole time was thinking like, I guess things didn't work out or they changed their mind or like, I don't know. And then they're like, oh my gosh, we, you know, we breastfed for two years and it was so amazing. Thank you so much for coming see me that one time (laughs) and never heard from you again. And so now I just try to imagine that if I don't hear back from someone or if they don't, you know, call back for a follow-up or whatever, that that's what I just imagine. I try to just keep focus on like, best possible scenario, because all of it is in the end going to be my imagination, whether I imagine that it didn't go well or imagine that it did go well, I don't know. But I'm going to imagine that they're out there living the journey of feeding their infant that they desired to live. And shifting that in my brain has been so helpful because in the end, if you remind yourself that like, whether you imagine the worst case scenario or the best case scenario, both of them are your imagination. So you might as well pick the better of the two because at least that feels better <laughs> until you get other information you might as well imagine that it's all going well and the funny thing is for me it's happened more than once that i found out or it'll be like oh my friend referred you and i'm like i never heard back from that friend i can't believe they referred you you know of course i'm not saying that to them but i'm thinking in my head like what they referred you i thought they like never wanted to see me again and she'll be you know the New parent will be like, "Oh my gosh!" And they said you were so amazing, and they had this amazing breastfeeding journey. And I'm like, "Would have been nice to know that," <laughs> you know. But it's not the client's responsibility to keep us informed if things are going well for them. But how do you manage that for you? That closure when you might not actually know the end results. You know, so many times that is the actual how things end up for us, you know, is that we see them several times, we think going well, and we might not ever hear the end end result, right?
2: Yeah. And I think for me, it starts with making sure that I'm mindful of when we're wrapping up a session or I'm communicating with them by email or by text, if they've got text support, that I always think like, this could be the last thing I ever say to them.
3: And (laughs) I want it to
2: feed them. I want it to nurture them. There was a meme that was going around recently. That was somebody had posted. I wish that one of the lactation consultants, one of the many lactation consultants I saw had told me it was okay to just give up. And it was some parents speaking from their heart about what was happening in their journey and you know we read that and it brings up a lot of really complicated things for for me at least you know well okay the word i would never say give up i would never put it in terms of success or failure but also i really hate that this parent felt like they were trapped in something that they couldn't get out of or that they didn't feel like supported in what was best for them and so i really like to you know, again, start by helping them really see that it's theirs. This belongs to them and not to me so that I support them and letting them choose their language and then using their language to describe what they're going through and what they're dealing with. So not putting words in their mouth. But if my client said, you know, I really just want to give up, you know, I might say, it's okay to give up. And then I'll follow it by something. I'll try to think of like, what is the most positive spin that I can put on the phrase, give up. And I'll say, you know, you're giving up these things that aren't serving your family and you're making space for all the things that will serve your family. So I'll really try to build on what they're saying. So we're not just left with like, yeah, you know what? You can just give up. And it's giving up in everything that that means, you know, but I wouldn't use that But I'm not against using that phrase, because for some people, that is really what it feels like. It does feel like you're somebody who's, you know, been able to strive for things your whole life and has been worked hard and done well and, you know, gotten good grades. And now here you're confronted with something that you have absolutely no control over. But everything in you says, but if I just try one more thing, if I just try one more thing, and that your identity is really wrapped up in that idea of success over failure. I think it is important to be there with somebody who is going through that and to understand that that can be a reality for someone. And then the other piece with those outcomes where I've had the same thing where I'm like, I've never heard from you again, but I have had like, yeah, the surprise referral or somebody like telling me like, you changed my life. I'm like, I never would have known. Or the people who are like, I think I really want to become a lactation consultant. Those are always (laughs) the ones that I hold in my heart forever, even if they never become become one. I'm like, but you wanted to. That's all that matters to me. I was researching a talk I gave this spring, which is on my website. It's called Hold On For One More Day. And I, I gave it at the Dallas Lactation Consultants Association this summer. In the talk, I did a lot of research into burnout and the book that I used a lot from was called the resilient practitioner and had this concept in there. It was for therapists, but talking about the uncertain outcome and how that the existence of the uncertain outcome is a contributor to provider burnout when you're in a helping profession. So you may not get closure with your client; They may ghost you and you have to put their outcome into Schrodinger's box. And it's a mystery but you have to, you still have to find closure for yourself. So you need to complete the stress cycle somehow, you know, just like take that, move your body, do some deep breathing, hug somebody you love for 20 seconds, apparently helps complete the stress cycle. And according to that book burnout by the Nagoski sisters that came out last year and celebrate the wins. And then also take time to reflect and say, okay, let me just like, really like spend a little time with this, you know, maybe it's been 3 weeks and I haven't heard from them or I sent a text and nothing came back. Let's sit with this and let me just reflect and let me just say here's what I want to take from this to move forward. But in maybe journaling that if that's your thing, you know, talking it through with a colleague, but finding that closure for yourself in a way that is meaningful for you so that you can put it in that box and move on.
3: And I have a literal box. <laughs> I really do. I literally have a box for clients that I just, whether it be, you know, I don't know what the outcome is or it's been a really stressful case. I have a literal box that I colored and made and I'll just have a little piece of paper and I don't put any names or anything in it, but it's just something that will remind me of that person. And Yeah. And I just put them in the box because that feels like a really nice way to close off that. And I think it's so great to reflect on, you know, what could I learn from this experience? And then, like I said earlier, like, if you are going to imagine anything, you might as well imagine something good. At least you're keeping good feeling inside of you and putting good feelings out into the world versus, you know, catastrophizing and thinking of the absolute worst outcomes because... Again, both of them are just your imagination. So you might as well pick the good one, right? All these families are going to have
2: good things. And so you can just say like, they're out there living their life and enjoying their babies and maybe planning for the next one. Who knows? You know, there are good things in that person's life and nothing that did or didn't happen during their lactation sessions can can take that away from them or anything, you know. It's like so. You just imagine that if you can say, "I gave my fullest, I gave my everything," and maybe I came up against something where I didn't give everything that was possible. So there's an area where I need to grow, and that's also yeah. okay. That doesn't mean that While I'm learning. It just means that I'm human, and there's always more to learn. And always, and so that for me looking for the places where I can always learn more definitely does really keep me going and does really fuel me through those uncertain outcomes.
3: And definitely that's like what I love to journal about is like, what lesson can I take from this, you know, is a prompt that I will journal about in any of these like more stressful outcomes, or if I'm trying to seek closure, you know, so it's been so fun to get to reflect on the lactation client's journey through our private practices. And I think this is an area that we can keep expanding on because there's so many so many more things I'd love to say about all these different sections that we kind of talked about here. And we love to hear feedback from all of our listeners on topics and things that you guys would like to hear about as well.
2: Yeah. And you can come to our deeper dive. In December, or you can purchase recordings of our past deeper dives. We have them all in a vault that you can buy, and you can actually binge hours and hours and hours of deeper <laughs> dives into all kinds of private practice talks. And we have a subscription option so you can subscribe and come to every one of our live ones. Like I said, we have Susan Howard doing watchful waiting in a few weeks. And then you can also, if you're like, I don't want to come to a deeper dive, I don't have time for live events, but you want to support the podcast, we have a Patreon where you can just give a small amount and it helps pay for our production costs and keeps this podcast always free and always in your earbuds where we want to be. And you can reach out to us there. You can post in the social area at learn.paperlesslactation.com. And we would just love to hear from you if you have topic ideas you know, please, please reach out. Please don't be shy. We
3: are the friendliest people you'll ever meet when it comes to lactation stuff. Definitely. Well, it's been great talking with you today, Annie, and I look forward to our next episode. Me too. Bye, Leah. Bye. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend and leave us a review. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.